Well, welcome in to Finding God in Culture. I'm Drew Thurman, joined by... I'm Danny Wright. And we were just discussing uh, before we hit the record button that it has been almost nine months since our last episode. We did Finding God in Rock Part One, acted like it was going to... The next episode was coming, and then life has happened. So I don't, I don't know if anyone's anticipating this, but we'll just brand it the much anticipated part two. Yeah, I don't know if we can do that or not, but sure, we'll go for it. <laughs> we, might get yes. some, we might get some hits that no, we weren't anticipating. Yes, ten, there's 10 people that I know that are, are just waiting on the edge of their seats. So, Well, at least one uh, on my side from today. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I would love, before we actually get into uh, part two of this episode, uh, of this, this conversation, I should say, uh, we'd love to hear just, you know, I know a lot of life has happened for the two of us. We're hoping to get back into a regular routine of these episodes again. And personally, I really have had a lot of people since the break of our last episode reach out to me and just say, like, a lot of them binged all 10 episodes uh, like within this break and said, are you guys going to put out more content? This is really good stuff. And you guys are having a lot of conversations that I'm interested in. So uh, I am excited to get back to this, but we've had a lot of life happen since the last time. So I'd be interested. Uh, hopefully I would, lo would love to fill everyone in on some of those details. So Danny, why don't you go first, man? What, what is, what does life look like for the last nine months? Well, uh, our intermission gap year program finished up at uh, Johnson University, the first uh, the first portion. Uh, then we hit the road and we went somewhere probably between six and seven thousand miles over the next six or eight weeks. Um, and I mean, I ended up having intermission, a couple of people from intermission live with me for a while. Uh, you know, then you get into, you know, our January was crazy because we got together at another camp uh, here in Indiana in order to prepare for them to go to the overseas portion. They were just, they were going to Puerto Rico this year. Somebody got COVID that got shut down. We had to train, change plane flights, change this, change that, you know? And I was like, all right, when these guys get on the road and when they fly to Puerto Rico, I'm going to have a little bit of time left. I'm going to be able to breathe. I'm going to be able to read some books. I'm going to be able to watch some movies. And well, Drew, you know, that just didn't happen. I mean, it just kept seeming like no matter what was going on, I was busy, you know, because I worked three other jobs besides that one. And uh, there's always something happening. So, um, you know, I just stayed busy doing a little bit of this, and a little bit of that. I, I had some traveling I wanted to do. I wanted to go see the, the magnificent and the wonderful Drew Thurman. Didn't happen. Supposed to go to New York City. Didn't happen. So one of these days it will happen because uh, I will make the time because <laughs> it evidently is not going to be found it's going to have to be made is it, but isn't that always life it is it is always too too busy so there's too many things to do i hope we get you up here to boston too man that's that's on my list too to get to spend some time with you um from my end it has been you know it's been insane most of this time that's part of the reason uh the, the episodes have not been going on is I, you know i do a lot of the editing a lot of the recording We've been in the process of building all out. of the editing and all of the yes. recording. And he has <laughs> <Yeah>. no help. <laughs> well, you you drive a lot of our content, and this was all your your idea originally. But we we've been uh, building out a coffee shop co working space, and we finally launched a couple of months ago. But man, it has been brutal. Uh, just the construction process itself was exhausting, and then you actually start the thing, 
And it has just been insane. I have such mad respect for every small business owner in the world. I am going to shop small from here on out. Small business owners are superheroes. But it has been uh, it has been a labor of love. It has gone incredibly well. We've been really well received by our community, serving up some awesome coffee and uh, helping create a workspace. If you're in our area, you're listening to this. It's in Waltham, Massachusetts. It's called Common Good Co. And yeah, it is. I think we're we're especially a coffee shop and a boutique co-working space. We'd love to have you. Uh, but it has man, it has kicked my tail. So we're finally on the other side of the worst of that, which is why we're partially back at this is I've, I've actually got bandwidth again uh, to participate in the podcast and, uh, and not just be theory. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of what my last six or seven months have looked like. So excited to get back at this. Uh, and honestly, I would say one of the things I'll, I'll just share this really quickly before we take a break uh, and like, let, let the intro play. I, I've been in a season as well with Renaissance and some of the work that I do on the microchurch front where this finding God and culture stuff has taken on a new life in my own life. Uh, I have discovered very quickly that living missionally is really dependent on recognizing God's agency in the world more than man's agency. And the more I live missionally, the more I realize that you actually have to have an increased awareness as to where God's working in the world. And uh, we've actually even redone our training to literally train every single person that the foundation of mission starts with recognizing where God's already at work. And so I think I'm also partially excited to get back into this podcast because uh, God has breathed fresh and new life into me with this topic. And I believe it more than I ever have before. Um, that this is this is the conversation, not just like a conversation. It is the conversation for Christians in our, our age. And if we can't recognize where God's already at work, if we can't find Him in the everyday stuff of life, uh, our our existence is going to get really hard here with what's coming in our culture and in our future. And so it's either going to be really good news for those of us who have developed these life skills, or it's going to be uh, very hard on those of us who want kind of a binary, sacred, secular world where Christians get to create their own little Christian kingdom and nobody else gets to say besides overtly churchy activities taking over. And so, man, fired up to get back into this, this podcast for that reason. Well, I definitely agree with you. Um, yesterday, as I was reading a few things, getting prepared for what we were going to talk about today, um, and I didn't spend enough time getting prepared, but I mean, I was just so excited. I was so moved by something I read. I immediately called you. I was like, I got, I got to call him right now. I got to call him because I got to tell people, I got to tell people what I just read. And I was realizing how it's so interesting that as you prepare for a message or as you prepare to teach a class, as you prepare these things, there's nothing like studying God's word, getting into the Greek, understanding the clauses in the Greek and understanding, you know, the words that were used and all this kind of stuff. And then you realize, wait a minute, it's just as exciting to find him on the pages of Billboard magazine. And as a matter of fact, it might even be more exciting to find him there because, you know, it's this wonderful gift and ability for me to be able to enjoy the gift of him everywhere. So anyway, I agree. Man, yeah, that is an absolutely great thought. Uh, I'm excited to get at this conversation. We're going to continue it after our intro. And we're going to do the long-anticipated 
<laughs> Finding God in Rock Part Two. So part right two. after the yes. Part Two. Right part after two. the intro. <laughs> <laughs> God gives us life, breath, and everything else. In him, we live, we move, and we have our being. He keeps on speaking. He keeps on transmitting. He continues to show up and never stops revealing. We have eyes to see and ears to hear. We pay attention in print, over the air, and on every size of screen. Our moleskin is open, our pen is ready, and the mic is live. Let's find God in culture. Well, again, we are in part two of this episode uh, or this conversation on finding God in rock. Uh, we typically uh, have a rhythm that we're going to be following all the other episodes, but we take a break every so many episodes to have a, a specialty conversation around a theme. And this one obviously had a nice big almost nine month break between it, but we have been just having a conversation about what does it look like to look at rock music and find God there. This is a conversation as we were going back to our last episode, just kind of joking about, you know, for so many Christians, the perils of rock and roll are often, you know, this is a, a symbol of godless culture uh, in the American imagination. And yet uh, we think like so many other art forms, there's so much God uh, to be found. So excited to kind of continue that conversation. We mentioned a number of different songs in our last episode that we'd been kind of struck with or it hit us uh, that we, um, uh, we, we'd, we'd discovered God in. So we're going to continue that on. And Danny, I'm going to let you go first, man. I'm excited to hear what is it that has recently hit you. I think I'm, I'm not sure if you're going to share the one that you called me about, uh, but I know this last week, even just kind of having this conversation again has excited you and you've had some, some things, some themes come, come to life. So you, you start us off and we're going to go from there. All right. Sounds good. Well, so I was, um, I mean, I can always go back to the old standbys, you know, cause there's always these songs. Like for example, Sunday morning, I preached at Cicero Christian church in Cicero, Indiana. And I started with a beautiful old song by three dog night the old Harry Nielsen had written this song actually in 1968. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We just have to reference that you started with a three dog night reference. This is amazing. I know. Well, and I mean, it was funny because I was laying here in my office. I'm working on a message for Cicero Christian church uh, that supports our camp. And uh, most of those people had never even seen me before. So they had no idea what was going to be walking into the door that Sunday morning. Uh, long haired, you know, long bearded weirdo. And um, so I get up and I start talking about Harry Nielsen wrote a song in 1968 that uh, sounds like a breakup song, but it actually started uh, because he called somebody and got a busy signal. <laughs> I told a bunch of people that are under 21. Yeah, you don't even know what a busy signal is. I mean, I, I understand that. And the song plays off of that busy signal at the very beginning. Well, anyway, um, he says one is the loneliest number. Two can be as bad as one because it's the loneliest number since the number one. And I was preaching on John 17, which is this beautiful passage in which Jesus over and over and over again prays that we might be one as the Father and he are one because the Father is in the Son and the Son is in us and we are in the Son and we are in the Father. And of course, 
doesn't explicitly say it in John in Jesus's prayer in John 17, but the spirit is in us and we are in the son and it goes all this kind of stuff. And I said, one is not the loneliest number. One is the only number because Jesus wants us to be one so that the world may know. Well, anyway, um, that'll, that'll preach. Yeah, well, I hope it did. <laughs> I sure tried. I sure tried. So anyway, um, I, I was, I don't want to just use the old standbys. I don't want to just use the things, you know, that, that have meant something to me. So I go out looking for new stuff. And a lot of times I'll just go on iHeart's radio charts or billboard 100 or something like that. I love the alternative rock stuff. Cause I prefer that over pop. Uh, and I ran into this guy named jelly roll. And I mean, I had heard, heard this song on the radio, but I didn't even realize which, you know, which one we just need to like chuckle at the name i mean like the first time you referenced i was just like it's hard to take seriously a name like jelly roll but there's a lot more depth there than you would think when you hear oh there's God. a rocker named jelly roll well who's really more of a country guy who came out of country hip-hop so anyway that was just kind of interesting which is weird there's all these confluence of music that are all the fusion of so many different styles now you know we just you know so many well, different things coming together and you got a jelly roll it's in the top 35 songs on you know alternative rock but the same song is also in the top of the country charts so yeah it's this all this crossover and all this stuff well anyway i i had heard this song before and i hadn't paid attention i'm going to start reading i want to read the first verse i threw my phone out of the window i'm so over it weight on my shoulders every day another storm to live i'm standing at the ledge my foot's about to slide what if it takes the fall for me to learn to fly. That stopped me first. And I said, I try to run from what I've done and it cost me everyone. All it left me was feeling numb. Then he gets to this. Sunrise stayed up till uh, sunrise stayed up till the morning. I stay bloodshot from the smoking. Another round and I'm locked and loaded. Faith has faded. Living on the edge, one foot in the coffin. Lord knows I don't pray too often. Knees down when the devil comes calling. Ain't no saving, dead man walking, a dead man walking. And he goes on from there. I mean, I could keep reading the lyrics and we could keep talking about them, but I'm gonna tell you something. What a song. <laughs> I mean, first of all, you know, he's standing there on the ledge and he's looking out and he says, what if it takes the fall? You know, and I can't help but think about Kierkegaard and the leap, you know, and, and, and I'm thinking about what if it takes the fall for me to learn to fly, you know, um, but what really got me when he says, I got one foot in the coffin. Lord knows I don't pray too often. And then he says, knees down when the devil comes calling. And so I was asking all my friends, I'm like, what does he mean knees down when the devil comes calling? Is he surrendering to the devil as the devil shows up? And I'm thinking to myself, ain't no chance. That doesn't mean he doesn't fall into temptation when the devil shows up. But he just said, I've got one foot in the coffin. Lord knows I don't pray too often. Knees down when the devil comes calling. To me, I'm hearing this beautiful moment of a broken guy who's saying, look, I know I'm broken. And I know I don't pray too often. But my knees fall when the devil comes calling. And I'm doing my best not to allow him to take me down one more time. And so um, you go on in this song a little bit further, um, trying to find... There's another line that I just absolutely love where he talks about being, you know, how, how broken he is. Yeah. Let's see. I get so high. I'm frozen time, shattered pieces on the floor of a heart, no longer pure sunrise stayed up to the morning. He goes through all that again. Um, 
weight on my shoulders every day, another storm to live, he says. Um, and I just can't find this lyric that I'm looking for. <laughs> but when I hear him sing, you hear the brokenness. And I'm telling you something, that's one of the most important things that we can come to. God loves a broken spirit. He is close to a broken spirit and to a person with a contrite heart. A, bru you know, a bruised reed he does not break. And so here is this guy who knows what it's like to be an addiction, who knows what it's like to struggle. At least that's what it sounds like in this song to me. What do you think, Drew? No, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I'm not sure about the the devil reference. Uh, I'd, and I'd even be as interested to, you know, sometimes the devil can be um, not the devil. You know, it can almost ref just represent temptation or or hardship or whatever else. But I would say, I agree with you. And it sounds, man, I love what you're getting at, uh, this sense of brokenness. And it sounds like the lyric, I think like, and I think there's a lot of lyrics like this, that it's like coming, it's almost like coming to the end of yourself. You know, what is it, what is it like? Uh, here's somebody who, I even thought the, the lyric was interesting of, you know, throw, throwing the phone. Was that like a reference? I threw my phone out the window. I threw, yeah. I threw my phone. You know, there's just, again, just some very strong visual um, deals there. But yeah, it sounds like somebody who's, yeah, come to the end of themselves and is, is open. Like, man, I'm, I don't like who I've become. I don't like what I'm doing. Uh, nothing seems to be working. And, but there also seems like it sounds, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it almost sounds conflicted. Like I, I want to believe, you know, but I'm, I'm such a mess and I agree with you. I think those are the lyrics. Well, one, I think there's so many people that can identify with that. There's so many people that have, have been in that moment. I think these are why lyrics like this matter to us because, you know, much like any form of art, it, it, it taps into an emotion or gives words or permission to feelings that we can't name. And it's like, yes, I, I, I couldn't have sat down and wrote these lyrics out, but I feel these things. But yes, I think as we go looking, not only through the, the pain, but also saying, hey, yeah, I love what you were saying. This is where God meets us. I mean, I think I go back all the way, you know, one of my favorite stories in all of scripture is Hagar's story. Here's someone who's at the end of her rope, you know, who's been mistreated, neglected, the system is failing her, even by people who, you know, we often call heroes of the faith. And yet in the, in the midst of all of this, God meets her and she's the one who's, who calls God, the one who sees, you know? And so, yeah, I, I, uh, I love, I love what you're getting at with this lyric. I, I think I I'm with you. Yeah. You were looking that up. I was, I was looking up the old phrase that she had, or uh, the well of the God who lives and sees me. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love that you're, uh, you know, you're, you're bringing that to the attention. I'd be interested though. Did anyone you talked to have a different perception on, on the lyric than you did? Um, I don't know. I might've, I might've bowled over them. You know, you never know. <laughs> uh, but what I did drew was I was like, even when you and I were talking about this, I'm like, well, I should just go and search some more and see what I can find. And so um, what I immediately found was a song called Son of a Sinner. And I would love to read these lyrics to you, if you don't mind. Yes, go. Yeah, go for it. Um, this song, uh, he writes and he says, I never get lonely. I got these ghosts to keep me company. 
I took the rear view off of this old Ford for I, so I only see in front of me. Now the past is out of sight and out of mind. Swore I changed. Now I'm back chasing these white lines. The addiction shows up again. Then he gets to the chorus. I'm just a long-haired son of a sinner, searching for new ways I can get gone. I'm a pedal to the highway if you ever wonder why we write these songs. I'm only one call away from home. I'm only one drink away from the devil. Yeah, I'm somewhere in the middle. I guess I'm just a little right and wrong. Then he goes on and he says, these back roads got me. These pills pretend to be my friend. I'm done for the last time. I'm lying to myself again. I always say that. Now I'm on my way back there somehow. I should know by now. I'm just a long-haired son of a sinner searching for new ways I can get gone. I'm a pedal to the highway if you ever wondered why we write these songs. Because I'm only one drink away from the devil. I'm only one call away from home. Yeah, I'm somewhere in the middle. I guess I'm just a little right and wrong. Now listen to this. Mistakes I made, I paid for them in cash. Walked a million miles on broken glass. I feel like I'm fading. My heart's been slowly breaking. Might pop a pill and smoke and maybe drink. Talk to God and tell him what I think. At first, he's going to hate me. But eventually, he'll save me. And then he goes back to the course. I'm telling you something. <laughs> you just, I was so moved when I read these words. And when I found out that this guy is going to, he, he's, he is, he's caught in this addiction. He's caught in this struggle. He's caught back and forth. And again, you could say that maybe he's writing about somebody else. Well, you could say that until you find an article about him in billboard magazine. <laughs> and then you look at this billboard magazine article and you come to find out a few things. He was recording in Nashville's sound emporium. Uh, the sound emporium has been used by the likes of Alan Jackson, Kenny Rogers, Wailing Jennings, you know, all of those kind of people. And on this one particular night when he was recording this album, uh, uh, a songwriter, uh, singer-songwriter Ernest shows up. He takes the guitar when he comes in. He'd been out having barbecue dinner with his wife. He might have had a couple drinks before he got there. Well, we know he did because of what he says. Uh, but anyway, and he says they gave him this guitar in drop D, and then he just starts to play, and he starts to improvise. And it's so powerful because it says, when Ernest was finished and handed me my guitar back, continues Stevens, he was like, I don't know where that came from, but I'm glad they sent it to us. Do you hear that? Yeah. I don't know where that came from, but I'm glad they sent it to us. <laughs> just kind of looked at it like something from above had entered the room and made that spill out. Now, Drew, I'm going to tell you something. Something from above <laughs> did enter that room. And we know it did. And we know that that something caused that to spill out. Whether people have been a couple of drinks into their evening or whether they're, I mean, because God is at work and he is on the move. And I just love the fact that these guys can just grab a guitar, they sit in a room, and then it just happens to come out of them, and they realize, I don't know who gave us that, but I'm glad they did. Yeah, yep. well, I would like to explain the they. It is the Father, the Son, <laughs> and the Holy Spirit. That is, that is who it is. Now, again, just because Stevens or just because, um, you know, 
uh, Ernest is uh, whether or not they give credit. I mean, I truly believe that God showed up that night oh, and God. helped them write a lyric that's going to help somebody. Now, here's what's even better. You go a little bit further into this article and Jelly Roll says this. He says, there are points in the song where it becomes extremely autobiographical. Some music's meant to be heard and some music is meant to be felt. Personally, I try to make the kind of music that's meant to be felt. Hmm. And I'm listening to that, Drew, and I'm just like, I'm blown away because I love Jelly Roll. I don't know if we'll ever have a chance to meet each other, but I don't care. I would love to sit down with him anywhere and have a conversation, <laughs> and I'll just let him talk, and I'll just sit there and listen uh, because, because I love the fact that he realizes something bigger is going on and that he has a purpose. How much of a purpose does he have? He says this. He talks about that night when he actually sang this song. And he, even when he sang this song at like 3.30 in the morning and when they recorded it after a crazy night together with a bunch of their friends, says, I remember it being a very emotional moment. And I remember getting those goosebumps as soon as I came in and sang the song. I never get lonely. I got those ghosts that keep me company. There was just a chill bump that ran through my body. It's one of the few times I've ever had a song in the studio that I knew was going to be special and then he goes on in the end of this article and he says this the music we make is extremely cathartic says jelly roll i meet fans every night who tell me some of the saddest stories i've ever heard in my life if hypothetically it was just one person i could never quit writing these songs i have a duty to continue to try to touch that one person mm -hmm. Thanks be to God that Jelly Roll, whether he knows it or not, is being used by God to love the broken. There is a line somewhere that talks about the fact that he's just a broken human, and I'll hopefully find it before we're done. But well, I, I want to say that line, too, because it's amazing. Well, I mean, there's so much, gosh, there's so much you, you mentioned. One, I just found it interesting going back to the last lyric you read was him talking about at first something in reference of like i'd like to meet god at first he'll hate me but eventually he'll he'll forgive me but so one that's a whole nother conversation we could we could have a whole episode on the perception of god and how uh we we've cast him in this role of the angry angry father um who's who's just looking to uh cast down punishment on us and so yeah, i think that was really interesting but yeah uh, i think as you're going on I think you're starting to touch into something huge here, which is probably worthy of a whole nother episode of just talking about. And I think this is where a lot of artists touch on such on a lot of spiritual transcendent themes is that to be an artist, I think is in some essence to open yourself up to something bigger than you. And I think there is something unnamed there that is just, it's, it's really hard. I mean, from a poetry level, I, I might have even referenced it previously on the show. Kristen Wyman has a great little book called He Held Radical Light. And that's really almost what he's doing. He's naming all these incredible poets that he's, he's followed or that he's been friends with and just the search for God and transcendence and what happens in art. And it's, it's just an incredible book. Um, but even coming to other music, I think in the last episode, I might have even referenced uh, Nathaniel Rateliff. And I love, he, I, he had a video with one of their albums that I remember watching the making. It was like a little five minute documentary. Uh, they were out in the desert somewhere in California, Arizona, New Mexico, I don't remember, but somewhere out like in the desert 
where they just recorded every day and talked about waking up every morning, taking a swim in the pool and almost just asking the universe, what do you have for me today? And it's almost, he goes on this whole idea of like, he knows there's something out there that's sparking, you know, and he doesn't want to name, he doesn't want to make, give it, give it a personality. He doesn't want to give it a name. We obviously, I mean, from the very beginning of this, this show, we've talked about act 17 and it, it, I think what you're almost touching on is your um, Paul Mars Hill moment of saying, Hey, uh, I know who showed up in that studio. Hey, you know, I know, who that universe is and you know and let, i see i see the altar to the unknown god yeah and that's exactly what it is i finally found this i told you it was in that song i had to look it up separate because evidently i just couldn't read the lyrics that i saw <laughs> um this is part of dead man walking it says russian roulette i swear i don't have many chances left no i should change but man i'd man i swear i'd rather dance with death and then listen to this I'm just a desperate soul, another broken human. I know some stars are falling. I know some stars are shooting. I'm telling you, when I hear that, I am not, I'm not upset at a person who struggles with drink, who struggles with, with weed, who struggles with any of these kinds of things, because these people are searching. And they're searching to fill that hole that can't be filled by any of these other things because they will all let you down. And so when I hear this, I mean, it's my responsibility as someone who believes that I do know who they're talking about and that this is an altar to the unknown God. It's my responsibility to pray and to love and to care and to reach out and find other broken human beings that are desperate souls in need of hope and to meet them there. Because i tell you something, he's a little right and he's a little wrong. And you know what? I'm okay with that because so am I. And if I ever get to the point to where I think I'm all right and there's no wrong in me, <laughs> and that's the problem that we've had in the church for a long time. Well, yeah, I think you're talking about embracing the search, embracing the struggle. And I think we, again, we, we, we return to a lot of themes, but and I think we need to. And I think this is one of those when faith is just a series of propositions rather than a struggle uh, or, or an admittance that we, we are believing in something we can't see we are foolish, you know, and we believe that God has revealed himself in Christ Jesus, that we have, we've seen God in the flesh. Uh, but at the end of the day, all of us, we're, we're wrestling with something that, that isn't necessarily tangible. And I think we need to be okay with people making that, you know, wrestling through those realities, uh, rather than dismissing, dismissing the struggle. Speaking of well, which, I, go I ahead. Think go ahead. Time, I think it's high time that we wrestle. Yes, because I mean, there's a huge problem in the fact that most people have never seen us wrestle. And when they have never seen us wrestle with these issues uh, and to understand our own brokenness in the light of a God who has loved us so perfectly and we have been so imperfect in our return and our um, and our handoff of that love. So, yeah, I agree with you. Well, and on that theme of this, song, the songs you just mentioned. I've got some, you know, I've got several songs I, I uh, kind of bookmarked, but one of them just, I mean, it just perfect is uh, from an artist, City in Color. Uh, actually, it's, it's a guy named Dallas Green. His name, his first name is a city and his last name's a color. So his stage name is City in Color, which I think is just amazing. And uh, I've long appreciated um, 
you know, at times he's a little bit more uh, acoustic. He's got, you know, a lot of rock uh, and kind of sounds, indie rock sounds in his, um, you know, very wide repertoire of stuff that he's done. He actually even did a combo album with Pink, uh, if you can believe it, called, they, they went by like a name of, I think, You and Me. I mean, he's done a little bit of it all. Um, but he has a, a song called The Song of Unrest. And uh, it's just exactly what you're talking about. I'm going to read some of the lyrics here. And I, again, it's, I can't read them all, but it says, have I lost my touch? I just want to feel less fear. Where is this stirring of hope once I, held, once I held so near? This mournful wail has worn so away so thin. Life is long if you're living it. The dread will blow in like the wind. Uh, goes on in a different verse and says, pills don't seem to work. We're lost at the bottom of the sea. Our bones are searching for something else. Tired of the flesh they can't see. Gosh, talk about a lyric. Tired mm -hmm. of the flesh they can't see. It goes on in the chorus, how can I explain so that you understand how foolish it must be uh, to opine so openly, so openly, such a delicate life, so full of tragedy. Why do we continue to treat each other so savagely? And just, uh, just this, I mean, um, this just this wailing almost this this complaint uh, almost exactly what you're describing coming to the end of yourself like mm -hmm. and you know has this almost this lament i never thought it goes on i never thought i'd grow up to be another face in the crowd on the wrong side of history it's like uh everything about it is just i'm so disappointed uh, i'm you know i'm coming to the end of myself and uh, I'm, I'm, you know, if you go back, uh, reliving some of the lyrics I just read, talks about fear, talks about the loss of feeling hope, uh, a mournful wail, feeling worn out and thin, not living the life that, that you know, he thought he would, full of dread. Um, pills don't seem to work, lost at the bottom of a sea, searching for something that he can't see, his flesh longing for something else, you know, you know, feeling like he's nothing, you know, identity issues, all these themes mm -hmm. are all happening. And he's hinting, I think you're, you know, in that what I love about the lyric is, it's not some lyrics are, you know, even what you some of what you even read is a little more concrete, where it's, it's very much like, here's how I feel. And maybe here's the answer. And in this lyric, it's a lot of just I'm searching, I'm searching. It almost feels like Ecclesiastes in the early chapters. It almost feels like Lamentations. Something's not working. Something's not right. My soul is unhappy. I, my, my lived experience is not what I thought it would be. And I actually think, I, I don't know if it's, um, yeah, I think I've referenced, that there's several uh, podcasts I listen to, and I don't know if it's true, but actually talk about that we might be on the edge of already, it, it seems like the flywheel of what, what era we're in is, it keeps moving quicker and quicker and quicker. You know, it used to be, you know, centuries, now it feels like it's decades, but we might be entering into what's called post-secularism, and that, you know, we might not all be rushing back to Christianity, but that we are starting to realize that our undoing of everything transcendent has only been to our demise. Mm -hmm. And that while we were so sure that we could do and live this life without anything bigger than ourselves, we're realizing that it's not all that it was cracked up to be. Mm -hmm. And we don't have necessarily a vernacular. I meet these kind of people all the time. I hang out with these people all the time. Uh, but 
it's there. Uh, and um, so I'm, I, I'm actually gonna just reference something, not rock music. And then I wanna hear your thoughts. But there's a movie, I might, who knows? Again, it's been so long since we've recorded some of these episodes. I don't even know what I've, I've referenced in the past. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, there's, an, there's a, a documentary that was called The City Dark. It's all about light pollution and how uh, we, we, what the effects, I mean, it's actually impacting our health. It's impacting the environment, but we're living increasingly in a 24-7 environment. And in fact, um, you know, there were several astronomers, you know, that were referencing, I, I thought it was really funny, not believers, but we're asking what happens to the human psychology, to the psyche, when we believe, when this is all we can see, we no longer can see the universe around us. Uh, and, you know, you think about it, I, I live in a city, I never can see the stars, you know, unless I get out of the city, because I'm just trapped in light pollution and only what I can see. They actually receive, uh, have a couple of different um, folks they interview in Manhattan, who the only time they've ever seen the stars are when there's been blackouts. And I think, I don't know this to be true, but I think what Dallas Green is referencing is kind of almost a, is, is a metaphor of of what, or I would say, as a metaphor of that, that I think we live in a culture that is, we are stuck in what Charles Taylor would say is the imminent frame. We're stuck. This is all there is. And we've been quite happy believing this is all there is, uh, that Nietzsche was right. God is dead. We've killed him and we are quite fine just doing it all on our own until we're not. And I think we are waiting for the moments. I'm not sure we're, we're, we're realizing there's something dying in our souls, like the astronomer saying, is there something wrong in us when this, we believe this is all there is? And I'm not sure we get there till we almost, with the reference songs you were referencing earlier, until life brings us a blackout. When everything gets unplugged and suddenly we can, we, we're forced to look up and see the stars. And I would actually say that's when the Christians need to come in and, and be, we almost need to pull up uh, our, our telescope and say, let me help you uh, know what you're seeing. Let me, let, oh, by the way, that's this planet, or hey, this is this, you know, uh, this is this series of stars, whatever it is. Um, but I think that's, I think that's what you're getting at in the lyrics you're referencing. I think that's the lyrics I'm getting at here with City and Color is what happens uh, when we come to the end of ourselves and maybe, just maybe, uh, in this world, in this culture that we live in, that's the exact place God wants us. I, I'd be interested. That's a lot of thoughts I'm throwing at you, but I, I would be interested to hear what, you're, what you think. Well, I'm enjoying listening because um, I love you, man, and I love what you're saying. I, I'll be honest with you. Let's just go back to Son of a Sinner for a moment. So the video for Son of a Sinner, uh, which can be found on YouTube and you know lots of places on the internet, it's a very powerful video. Um, Jelly Roll is sitting at a bar and there's a bartender cleaning glasses uh, and he's drinking his drink. Well, as the song lyrics continue through, we, vi we, we, Jelly Roll becomes, you know, an Asian girl. He becomes an African-American woman. He becomes a white uh, old biker with his beard in a, you know, in a hair tie. And 
he becomes all these things and it moves back and forth through these. And you see the brokenness in these people as they're, as they are mouthing these lines, as they are, you know, lip syncing these lines that Jelly Roll has written. And you realize the brokenness that's in this place. And I'm telling you, uh, you know, like our church used to send me into bars. Drew, who's in the bars? Who's in the bars that's going to be sitting there with the people who have come to that moment where they're at the end of that rope or they're at that place where none of the other answers have worked for them, who will be there to love them and to walk with them? Who will be there to pull up the telescope? Does anybody know anything about astronomy anymore? I mean, do we know the difference between Jupiter and a star? And I mean, can we be able to show these people, you know, this, I mean, do we realize that just a couple of weeks ago we had the, uh, you know, the harvest moon that was the this moon, the this moon, this moon. And, and I mean, do we even care? Because we are lost in a whole bunch of things that eventually will not matter. And we've given up on the thing that does matter. And, and I got to be honest, I mean, it's what I said Sunday morning at the church. And I, you know, and if you go back to that text and Jesus wants to be, wants us to be one so that the world may know, I re, I think that the world doesn't know and that the world doesn't believe in transcendence because we haven't lived as people who believe in transcendence and we haven't lived as people who believe that there is a light out there and that there is another world that is greater than this place because we have loved this place more than we've loved the father and i mean john says you know what you know if you don't love if you can't love god you know if if you have this love for the world this lust for the world and so yeah i just yeah, I, I love what you're saying, and I love this idea of, I mean, I, I think that'll preach, you know, that whole idea of let's pull up a telescope. But you know what? You better know there's something out there yourself, and you better know what it looks like. Oh, I, I think you're I think you're unbelievably right, and I think this goes back to what I was saying before the intro of why I believe in this conversation more than ever. I think we have, even as Christians, yes, we don't believe God still speaks. We don't think he still moves in the world around us. We, we're, we're believing a history book. God did something 2000 years ago. And now we just need to be good people so that we can get to heaven someday. But we have no lived experience that God's still living, moving and breathing in our world in and around us all the time. And that's, and that's why we have no language to talk to these kind of people who are coming to the end of their experience and saying, you know what? this is a failed experiment and I might be open to something else, but they're not coming, you know where they're going. They're going to hot yoga. They're going to, you know, uh, they're going to Buddhist, you know, on Buddhist retreats. They're going, going everywhere else because Christians are not the ones who are going to going to tap into their yearning for something spiritual and are going to just hit them with a bunch of propositions that, that seem like there's no room, room to, to breathe. <laughs> Because we don't care about them. I mean, let's just get back to the truth. We don't care about them. And, and, you know, and we do make it about propositional truths and you have to line up in these lines and the unity that Jesus talks about in John 17 is not a political unity. We are not going to think alike. We are all loved alike. And you get into this concept of realizing, did you know that MIA gave her life to Jesus? I was reading about this the other day. MIA gave her life to Jesus. She's, you know, she's trying to sort that out and what that looks like with, with her religious system in which she grew up in. And she, I mean, who's there for her? Who's there with her in this conversation? And I know there are some people, but I mean, I want more of us to be out there loving like Jesus loved. Jesus became one of us 
so that we might become one. And, and he wants us out into the world. This is not about us being good. This is not about us getting to heaven. This is not about that kind of stuff. This is about an everyday lived experience of becoming Jesus. Um, I tell you, as I was reading the commentaries in John 17, one of the funnest things that I came across was there was this one female uh, commentator who just, I mean, she nailed it. She talked about, she goes, well, what happens in John is, you know, there's the book of signs, there's the book of glory. He go, she goes over and over again. There are all of these I am statements of Jesus. And, you know, uh, my man from uh, Bama, uh, Marty Solomon, would tell you every one of those I am statements is, a, is in direct confrontation to one of the false Greek and Roman gods. And so, you know, he is making John, John 17. He prays. He says, I have made your, known and your name known and I will continue to make it known. And one of the ways the name has continued to be made known is through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us and us becoming the I am, the point of contact, not just of contact, but a point of intimacy for all people with the Father, because the Son is in us and the Holy Spirit is in us and we are in the Father and so forth and so on. So anyway, I just think that's huge. And yeah. I, I agree with what you're saying, and I really wish that uh, we would come to a point where we would live outside of ourselves and where we would care about the things that matter to God and not the things that we think matter to us, and that we would uh, quit worrying about whether or not we have all of our you know, ducks in a row for our retirement, and that we would just start being willing to give up everything and to trust that in this world, we will have trouble, but guess what? It's okay. He's overcome the world, and it's going to be fine. Well, and to that point, I mean, listen to this. Uh, I've got this um, lyric that I think goes along really well with what we're talking about from a band called Bird Talker. I don't know if you've ever listened to them, Danny, but they, uh, they have a song called Better Days. Hmm. Listen to this. I think this is the cry. Of, I think this hits on what we're describing. And this is why we need to be able to speak, speak into this. Listen to this. We're waking up to find what's broken down. Is there any truth among the wreckage that I forgot along the way? Hmm. I know that I can't stay. I know that I can't, I know I can't stay, but is there a part that I can hold on to if I get lost along the way? Of course, I believe in better days. I believe in better days. Verse two, we're lit up like a wildfire, you and I. We sent the sparrows searching into the night, but the light of the flames wasting the place we knew, we hope we'll find our way. And then, you know, like, again, I believe in better days. I believe in better days. But man, what an opening. We're waking up to find what's broken down. Is there truth among the wreckage that yeah. I forgot? Like, literally, it's almost describing. Yeah. yeah, literally almost saying, like, uh, we've come to, the, you know, again, this seems to be the theme of this episode. We've come to the end of ourselves. And we're waking up to the fact uh, that there might have been something we missed along the way in our brokenness. You know, we've been, we've, we've gone down every, we've made every wrong turn. We've tried lots of different cul-de-sacs. Uh, we've, as James K. Smith would say, we've named a number of existential homes. And yet, uh, we're waking up to find out what's broken down. Yeah. And could there just be truth among the wreckage that I somehow forgot along the way? Man, like that's, that's what, that's what, that's what we're here for, man. And that's, you know, uh, that again, I think that's what Paul's doing in Acts 17. That's what we're called to do. Like, hey, let me tell you 
let me tell you about what you've missed. Let me inform you about what you've, you've missed out on. And I earned the right to say something. They're going to ask me because I've just been there loving. And I've just been there trying to care for them. And I've just been there as a point of contact and intimacy with something greater and more transcendent. Um, you're leading me right into another song that I would like to share real quick. Yep, go uh, ahead. By Cage the Elephant. Um, when I heard this song a few weeks ago, I, it just will not leave me alone. Um, I believe uh, the lead singer was experiencing a divorce at this time, and this song comes out of some of that. And, and this is what he says. Close my eyes and drift into the silence. Barely see the ultraviolet. Slipped and fell into the deep end. Oh, the sidewalk shimmered just like diamonds. All the empty words were flying. Well, the heart was love, but I never was alone. I never was alone. Well, isn't that a hope, man? That'll preach. Oh, and wait, it gets even better. <laughs> I've been running for so long, all that's left is skin and bones. Close my eyes and fight to carry on. Sometimes it makes no sense at all. If I stumble, will I fall? If I fall, I'll tuck and roll. Close my eyes and let the love light guide me home. Listen to this. Washed and fades and falls into another. I'm not getting any further. Left you feeling like an alien. Oh, the shiny sidewalks, they were lying. Lost myself while I was hiding. And the heart was low, but I never was alone. I never was alone. And I goes to course again. Man, what a what a what a great lyric! But I never well, was alone. It's unbelievable. But that line that gets me: I close my eyes and let the love light guide me home. Let the love light guide me home. When we realize that we've left this wreckage behind, and when we realize that we're at this place. These guys are coming to that emptiness of fame, the emptiness of a relationship that we thought was going to probably last. And now all of this stuff is gone. He gets to the end and he's going to say, close my eyes and let the love light guide me home. And Drew, in the live performance of it that I watched in, a, in some Blackbird studio or something, the last time he says, close my eyes and let the love light guide me home. And then he says, let the love light guide you home. Oh. And I was like, yeah. you got to be kidding me, because he's probably singing that to his former spouse. He's singing that to every one of us who is in this place that doesn't understand and doesn't know where we're at. I believe that the general revelation is out there, that God is out there, and, and he is calling us to himself. He wishes wooing that none us, would wooing perish. Us. Yes, he is wooing us. He wishes that none would perish and that all would come to repentance. So who's going to be out there? And even if they're not, guess what? God is still out there. And when they close their eyes, oh, there's another line in here. Listen to this. The break. Here's after the break. He says, hearts are empty almost all the time. Blind devising ways to lead the blind. And it seems as if there's no end in sight. I don't want to be there when it all goes down. But if I got to be there, don't let me hit the ground till I hit the ground. I've been running for so long. I'm all that's left is skin and bones. We know that feeling. We know what it's like to be in that place where there is, there's nothing left. We've got no energy left. If we stumble and fall, let us tuck and roll. Don't look. It's okay. Cause when I close my eyes, well, and yeah, that could be I, prayer. It could be I all can, kinds yes. of things. Love light will guide me home. Love light. Well, speaking of this, man, we like, it's almost like we, we, I can literally promise our audience. We did not, 
we did not pre-select these songs <laughs> together at all. This is totally, totally like really cool. Listen to this lyric. And we and I know we need to wrap up the episode soon, but I got one this more almost, thing to wrap cool. up. So. Well, I, this literally goes hand in hand with what you were just saying. It's from the Killers, which I mean, they just have so many spiritual songs that we could, I could literally do, we could do a whole episode just on Finding God and the Killers. But um, one's called My Soul's Own Warning, My Own Soul's Warning. Listen, listen to the beginning of this. I'm not going to read the whole lyric, but this literally goes hand in hand with what you just said. Here's, here's the intro. I tried going against my own soul's warning, but in the end, something just didn't feel right. Oh, I tried diving, even though the sky was storming. I just wanted to get back to where you are. Now, listen to this part. This is where it gets really good. If you could just th see through the banner of the sun into eternity's eyes, like a vision reaching down to you, would you turn away? What if it knew you by your name? <laughs> what kind of words would cu cut through the clutter of the whirlwind of these days? Let me read that again. If yeah. you could see through the banner of the sun into eternity's eyes, like a vision reaching down to you, would you turn away? What if it knew you by your name? What kind of words would cut through the clutter of the whirlwind of these days? It's all, it's all, it's exactly what you're saying. You know, this idea that there, let, there's a love, love light guide the way, let this vision, what if, what if there was a banner of sun? What was it? What if there was, a word that would cut through the clutter of the world. The what if in the midst of your mess, when you ignored your own soul's warning, you came to the end of yourself, there was still someone and some voice that was guiding you back to the place that you were supposed to be all along. Yeah. Like, I mean, these are speaking better into our, our spiritual journeys than most of the books that are selling in Christian bookstores are selling on Amazon these days. Like, this is what people need. They don't need like a, yeah, and a lot of our sermons even are like spiritual TED Talks. Here's four principles of this or four principles. Like, no, this is what people are hungering for. We need more lyrics like this. Yes, we do. And Show Baraka has written a book called He Saw That It Was Good. And in Baraka's book, he says that he believes that God has made us to, uh, to walk out and to push back the darkness and walk into the grotesque. Mm -hmm. And I, that's who I am. And I agree with show. I want to be the kind of person who walks into the darkness and pushes back the grotesque. I want to be in the middle of the grotesque, in the middle of the mess. It's what Jesus did. And, and that's where God is. It is. And <laughs> it is absolutely where he is. And you know what? It's at the bottom of all of these barrels and the bottom of all of these glasses that sit on bar tops and it's at the bottom of all of these ashtrays that where god is already there waiting and longing for somebody to make the connection for somebody to be there for them and to love them as they are to not judge them for what they think and for what they thought and for what they feel about god i don't care what you feel about god it doesn't make any difference it hasn't hurt god's feelings he loves you and he has done everything he can to cut through the whirlwind of these days. And he wants us to do the same. Well, that, I was right down the street from you, not far from old Waltham. Um, the Harvard Crimson uh, had this quote that I was reading about some of Cage the Elephant's uh, Social Cues album. And this is the line. It says, this optimism, talking about some of the optimism you find in there. And you definitely heard the optimism in that, in that song. I mean, there's a lot of brokenness, but there's a lot of hope. 
still in there. This optimism, a smart addition to the album, offers the hope that in a world of diminishing pleasures, Mm. there are flickers of fulfillment. (laughs) In a world of diminishing pleasures, Mm. there are flickers of fulfillment. And dude, I just got to be honest with you. (laughs) You know what? We're there to fan into flame the flickers of fulfillment. And man, if that's not, you're the one that inspired, man, Danny, you're the one that inspired this journey in me. But I mean, everywhere, I literally, we said it from the very beginning of this episode, from the very beginning of this podcast. And does that lyric not perfectly match Elizabeth Barrett Browning's quote? Yeah. Earth is crammed with heaven and every common bush of fire with God, but only he who sees takes off the shoes the rest and round and pluck blackberries. We fan the flame of the common bushes of fire with God. That's what we do. That's, that is what we do. And we, we, we need to stop letting Cage the Elephant do it for us. We need to all be participating in the fact that there is nowhere we can go where God is not there, where there is not a common bush of fire with God, even in the places we think he's not there. There is a, there is a, there is a flicker waiting to be fanned into flame. And can I tell you something, though? I'll go a little bit further than what you just said. We need to stop letting it. No. Let's just join the freaking. Well, yes, yes. Engage the elephant. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say. Yes, yes. I, man, you said that even better than I did. That's exactly how I feel, too. Yes, I'm just saying we shouldn't let them do it all for us. I agree. Yes. If they yes. shouldn't be singing it alone, we should be there with them. <laughs> yes, yes. But yes, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We've got a new worship song from Cage the Elephant. (laughs) I like it. I like it. Well, man, this episode has been, gosh, you know, we never know how it's going to go, but this has been really fun. Sometimes we script things out a little bit. We did not script this out at all. And it felt like we just- they know, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> anyone that knows anyone that knows Danny knows that a script is merely a suggestion anyways. So it, uh, it, this was totally a uh, just a cool moment to see us kind of coming from the same places in this episode. And hopefully with something we've said, it speaks to your soul and, uh, and to maybe some of the experiences you've had. So again, we're hoping to get back at this. Uh, this is the first of many podcast episodes here to come. And again, friends, keep looking to find God in culture. Please do. Towers, antenna, transistors, radio waves, 35 millimeter, 780p, 1080p, 4K, and real D3D. Analog, digital, Dolby Surround and Atmos, IMAX and Sony Dynamic, Beats, Sennheiser, Ultimate Ears, Bose, Audio-Technica, Condenast, Viacom, Time Warner, Gannett, Penguin Random House, Simon & Schuster, HarperCollins, Macmillan, Motorola, Apple, Samsung, LG, Chrome, Safari, Firefox, Edge, Strangers, You, Me, Friends, God is on the air, in the air, in print, and transmitting.